Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Saturday the 21st of February 2015, entitled The Wonderful Will of God. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Here's Brother Dave Kissler. Romans 12, if you would, please. Romans chapter number 12. I don't know about uh, you guys, but I'm looking forward to what we're going to do here in just a few minutes, and that's go down into the city center and um, do an outreach there. And um, boy, I'm just, my my heart is blessed already just by being around you guys, and I want you to know I'm honored, really, really honored to be here. Let me ask this. Any of you girls know what the American Girl Collection dolls are There's something done in the United States, but uh, they're these. They're they're about this tall, and they have uh, one of them named Samantha, one of them named Molly. They have another one. I can't remember. There's four or five of them, but um, they they look lifelike. I mean, they look like the eyes are real, the hair looks almost real. And uh, when our oldest daughter Rachel, who is now um, almost um, 26 years of age, um, when she was a little girl, she wanted one of those for Christmas, and uh, as we got closer and closer to Christmas. She would come into uh, my wife and I's bedroom. She'd jump up on the bed and she'd say, Daddy, I want to talk a little bit about Samantha that I'm going to get for Christmas. And I said, well, Rachel, you know, I want to talk about Samantha, but uh, I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, we have a rule in the house that every morning when you get up, you got to make your bed, right? Right. You got to put your bed clothes away and get your uh, clothes on ready for school, right? Right. I said, well, the question is this, have you made your bed? No. Have you got your bedclothes put away? No. And I said, okay, look, I want to talk about Samantha. I'm really interested in that. We want you to get Samantha for Christmas. It's going to be an awesome gift and all that. But how about we take care of first things first? And, of course, you know, Rachel, she'd drop her head and she'd go back into her bedroom and reluctantly put everything away. Now, my point in telling you that is this. There's something that when I was your age... Uh, I wanted to know more than anything else in my life, and that was God's will for my life. Lord, I want to know your will. Now, when we talk about the will of God, typically we mean one of three things, all right? When I was your age, I was thinking the same thing. The will of God encompasses three things. Number one, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to marry? Do you know God has a will for your life as far as who you marry? He does. He has somebody picked out just for you. And here's the encouraging thing about that. You ever thought about this? Whoever that girl is, she's probably alive somewhere right now. You ever thought about that? I mean, that's a, that's a profound thought. And all that has to happen is the Lord to get your path and her path to cross. God has a will for who we marry. When I was your age, I was thinking about a second thing about the will of God. Not only who do I marry, number two, where do I live? Lord, where do you want me to live? Do you want me to live in the United States? you want me to live outside the United States? Lord, uh, I, I fell in love with the country of England years ago. Lord, would you want me to live in England? And boy, when I was over here in days gone by, it wouldn't have taken much to convince me to stay. I just fell in love with, with everything about this country. I love it. Well, Lord, where do you want me to live? If you want me to live in America, where in America do you want me to live? Do you want me to live in North Carolina? Do you want me to live in Texas? Lord, where do you want me to live? Do you know God has a will for your life about where you live? Okay, so who do I marry? Where am I going to live? What kind of job, Lord, do you want me to have? The will of God. We think about a job. Lord, do you want me doing this? Do you want me doing that? Do you want me in the ministry? Do you want me in secular employment? Lord, what do you want me to do as far as a vocation in life, a job? Do you know God has a will for all three of those things and a whole lot of other things? But there's something more important than all of that. There are some things, guys, we don't have to pray about. Can I tell you this? I prayed a whole lot about who I was going to marry. 
And I'll tell you up front, uh, and you've not seen my wife, but um, Shelly knows what my wife looks like. She's the most beautiful lady in the world. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's got dark hair, dark complexion. When I saw her walking across the college campus the first time, my knees got weak. The only problem, she was dating my best friend at the time. And I thought, you know, man, you know, that's just, that's just not right. Well, he made the mistake of coming to me and telling me, you know, it's not working out between me and Betsy. And I said, oh, really? It's not. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really, I should. Really, it's not. You know, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Really, I'm not. But anyway, I went home and I, I called her and asked her out immediately. And she accepted. And of course, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, God has a, a will for who you marry, where you live, what kind of job you have. But there's some things way more important than that that we don't have to pray about. You say, what are you talking about? I want to talk to you about the will of God in the areas you don't have to wonder about, you don't have to pray about. Look at Romans 12 verse 1. All right, stay with me now. I beseech you, and by the way, the word beseech means beg. I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Watch carefully verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Conformed. You know, conformed. Formed means shaped. Con means with or after. Conformed. Don't be shaped after. Don't allow yourself to be made after the imprint of this world. Again, watch verse 2. Be not conformed, shaped after this world, but be ye transformed. The word trans, the prefix there, across. In other words, kind of go cross-grained of the way the world goes. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove. The word prove means discover, discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect. What's the next three words? Will of God. Now guys, would you look up at me for a second? This you don't have to pray about. According to Romans 12, 1 and 2, it is God's will that you control your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discover, discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look, God wants us to control our mind. Now let's, let's be honest. I was talking to someone as we went into the break and this young man was very transparent, very honest. And man, I thank God for that. What he said is the truth. We were talking about some things that, 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 that we guys just struggle with. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you right now. The battleground for me is right here. It's in my mind. Flying here, I came across things that I saw, that my eyes looked at, that I have a choice. Do I continue to look at that? Do I not continue to look at that? Do I allow my mind to think certain things that are inappropriate and displeasing to God? Or do I stop thinking those things? Do I control my mind? God wants us to control our mind. Do you understand your mind, in my mind, is the most amazing computer ever created? Do you know there's not a single thing you have ever thought, not a single thing you've ever looked at, not a single thing you've ever heard, but your mind categorizes that. It kind of puts it in a filing cabinet drawer. Some things that your mind de deems to be unimportant, like algebra and trigonometry, stuff like that, that goes on the bottom, you know, the bottom uh, the drawer, and it that goes in the back of the bottom drawer. I mean, that, that, that holds no appeal to me whatsoever. Other things that are important, your mind puts them on a higher drawer and keeps them up toward the front, but there's not a thing you've ever looked at, listened to, participated in, but under proper provocation, all of that can be brought back. Let me give an illustration, and I don't have a photographic memory, I really don't, unless it's photographic memory and the film has never been put in it, but I just don't have photographic memory, but I do have a fairly good memory. Do you know whenever I was in eighth grade, I sat in the back of a ninth grade English class where the ninth graders were reciting poems 
And a young man named David Cushing, that was his name, got up and he said, I'm going to recite a poem called The Daffodils by William Wordsworth. It goes like this. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on higher veils and hills when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils. Beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in a never-ending line along the margin of the bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not be but gained such a joke in company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought. What wealth is showed to me had brought? When oft upon my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with rapture thrills and dances with the daffodils. Now you say, Dave, what does that mean? Do you know, I don't have a clue what that means. I've never cared what that means. I want to tell you something. I sat in the back of a ninth grade English class and heard David Cushing get up and recite that poem as an eighth grader. And you know the quirk of my mind is this. If I hear it and it's set in poetry form or it's set to music, I can hear it one time and remember every word. Now that's weird, isn't it? That's weird. You say you've got a great mind. Well, no, not necessarily. It's a quirk of the way I learn things. Do you know when I was in college as a freshman, I took a class called Freshman Speech, and a girl got up named Nancy Henley. I still remember her name from Endicott, New York. And she said, my poem today is going to be called The Daffodils by William Wordsworth. And I thought, well, I know that one. I've, I've heard that one. And she started, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on higher veils and hills. All at once I saw a crowd, and she couldn't remember from my seat, I said, a host of golden daffodils beside the lake, beneath the trees. Everybody's turning and looking at me. How do you know this? I never one time tried to memorize that. I heard it one time, and I remember every word. You say, man, what a blessing. Let me tell you, what a curse. What a curse. You know, my mind's cluttered with a bunch of poems that don't mean anything, and I'd like to get that out so I can remember stuff that really matters. Listen, by the way, I have seen some things I wish I hadn't seen. And I can remember those too. Your mind is an amazing computer. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, this is God's will that you control your mind. You don't have to pray about this. Lord, should I control my mind? No. God tells us to. Well, how do I do that? Do you understand the Word of God is an incredible detergent? You know what Psalm 119 verses 9, 10, and 11 says? Wherewithal shall a young man, or even a young woman for that matter, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Do you understand your mind can be cleansed by the Word of God? That's why this conference is so important. That's why we have these times in the Bible. I hope... I I hope you spend time in the scriptures when you are not here at the conference, and I believe you do. Hope you commit verses of scripture to memory. That is something that will clean out the things that have gone into your mind that you don't need there and you don't want there. By the way, we live in a world, who are we kidding? The television, the computer, the advertisements, the billboards, the magazines, everything is after our mind. It's God's will. That we control our mind. Put only good in. And if bad's gotten in, cleanse it out with the Word of God. When I was in college, uh, I had to work to pay my way through college. And I worked at a, at a business that was a, a living 
soap opera. Do you know what soap operas are? They call them in the United States. You know, they're, you know they, anyway, it was a living soap opera. Over, over here is a, a lady that's married to a man who does not work there. And over here is a man that's married to a woman that doesn't work in this place. But the two of them are interested in each other. And uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was just something going on all the time immoral. Do you know what? The place I worked made furniture. And they sawed wood. And I would come in every afternoon, Brother Larry, and I'd be coated with sawdust. But I had a practice. I needed it. I had to have it. It wasn't that I was super Christian. It's just I had to have it for my own survival. Before I took a physical shower, every day when I got in from work, I grabbed my Bible. And I would read the Scriptures and take a spiritual bath. Because of all the stuff I'd had to hear and see that was of this world. Do you know what? The Bible, the Scripture is a wonderful cleansing agent to clean out your mind. Control your mind. If you're going to be able to do that, the Word of God has got to be a vital part of your daily life. So we don't have to pray, Lord, should I control my mind? No, He tells us to. There's a second thing that is God's will. Look at 1 Thessalonians, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3. Again, we're talking about the will of God in things that we don't have to pray about. Lord, should I do this? Should I marry this person? Yeah, we pray about that. But control your mind. God's already told us to do that. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. There's a second thing that the Word of God tells us point blank Clearly, this is God's will. Now watch verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, stay with me, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now guys, again, I'm not trying to be graphic. Look up at me for just a second. Let me talk to you from my heart. This is the will of God. God's telling us, this is my will for you even your sanctification, that you should abstain. Abstain means stay away from. Stay as far away from as you can, what I'm about to mention. Abstain from fornication. Fornication. English word, the Greek word is porneia. Porneia. From which we get the term pornography. Do you know it is God's will? Not only that you control your mind, it's God's will that you consecrate your body. You abstain from sexual impurity. In my country, they have just released a movie. In fact, somebody mentioned, I, I guess it's, it's, it's maybe being shown in the UK, I'm not sure. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I have not seen the film. I have not read the book. But right now in my country, and this is an indictment of the United States of America, it breaks my heart. Right now, it is the top grossing film this month. Millions of people going to see nothing but basically pornography. You know what the Bible says? This is my will. Stay away from that. By the way, guys, my mind and your mind, my body and your body belongs to two people, neither of which is us. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, What know you not that your body is the temple of God, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, both of which are God's. Look, this body is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. It is His temple. Listen, guys, I mean it. I mean it lovingly, but I'm going to tell you, I don't have a right to do with this body just anything I want to do. It's not mine. It's is. My body is His temple, so is yours. 
My body belongs to a second person. That's not me. It belongs to the Lord first. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 says this. For, listen to this. For the husband hath not power. The word power means authority over his own body, but the wife. And likewise, the wife hath not power or authority over her body, but the husband. Now, that's the Bible's very discreet way of saying this. Your body, number one, belongs to the Lord. But one of these days, when you enter the bounds of marriage, that holy estate called matrimony, which is an awesome thing, if you find God's will in marriage, when you enter that, you're going to bring to that marriage a gift that you're going to give to your partner, your life mate, and that is your body. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord first. It belongs second, will one day belong to your future mate. Now, now, now hear me out, please. You ought not, you ought not get involved in a wrong way with a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a fiance, do things that are supposed to only be saved for marriage. You ought not get involved in those things because the bottom line is this. You may be getting involved with someone who's not going to be ultimately your life mate. Do you know I fell in love with a girl that I didn't end up marrying? Her name was Beth. Interestingly enough, the lady I'm married to now, her name is Betsy. It stands for Beth Susan. But I had actually fallen in love with a girl named Beth from Michigan. And I thought, you know, she's going to be God's will for my life. You know what? We ended up not getting married. She married someone else. I married someone else. Wouldn't it have been the consummate tragedy for me to have, in a dating relationship, treated her in a way physically as if she was my life mate or going to be my life mate and she ended up not being? Do you understand? She became somebody else's wife. Young man, you may become someone else than the person you're dating right now. Husband, you don't know. So be careful. Your body doesn't belong to you. In my country, this is what's said all the time. It's my body. I'll do what I want with it. And there's people that live that way. They do that in this country as well. It's not true. It's God's will. We control our mind. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Our body belongs to the Lord. And guys, I want to tell you something. There is nothing greater than standing at a marriage altar and holding the hands of the person God has given you as your life mate and making a commitment of your life to them and then making a commitment of their life to you and saying, I will keep myself only to you so long as we both shall live and them saying the same thing. That's an awesome thing to take part in. And if you've made mistakes, and let me tell you, I made some mistakes in my college years, excuse me, in my high school years. I made some mistakes. If I could back up and undo them, I would, but I can't. You know, God can forgive that. But right now, control your mind. From this point on, consecrate your body. Lord, I'm giving my body to you. I'm not going to do to my body. I'm not going to do with my body anything that you would not be pleased with. It's God's will. That we control our mind, consecrate our body. Now, turn over one chapter more from 1 Thessalonians 4 to 1 Thessalonians 5. And I want you to look at verse number 18. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18. Look what the Scripture says. In everything give thanks. For this is the... Here the phrase comes again. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now watch. It's God's will we... Control our mind. It's God's will we consecrate our body. Number three, it's God's will that we continually give thanks in everything. Give thanks. Everything. By the way, when I got to the airport 
in Newark, New Jersey. I flew from Charlotte to Newark, New Jersey uh, last night. When I got to Newark, New Jersey, I thought, man, I'm going to be on a big plane and I'm going to have a little room to stretch my feet out. It's going to be a comfortable flight. Do you know they cram as many seats into those big airplanes as they can possibly get in there? And uh, any of you flown much? Any of you flown? Okay, if you have, you know what you pray for all the time? Lord, let me sit next to two skinny people. I mean, really, let me sit next to two skinny people so I can spread my elbows out. Do you know what the Lord did for me last night? He put a heavy person right here and a heavy person right here. And I'm sitting like this for six hours. You mean, God, I've got to thank you for that? Yes, in everything, give thanks. Brother Dave, you haven't had much sleep. You mean I need to be thankful that I'm here ministering to a wonderful group of young people here in, in, the, in, in, in England and I haven't had much sleep? You mean I need to be thankful for that? You bet, absolutely, in everything. This is awesome. I don't care what comes our way. Thank God. Some of you guys in here, in fact, all of you, you're dressed sharp, you dress classy, you have nice clothes. You know, we don't thank God for much. Something as mundane as the clothes we wear. Before I got on the plane to come here, I went to a closet. I said, I'm going to take that shirt, that sport coat, those pairs of pants those socks, those shoes, and I put all of that in my suitcase that's out in the van right out there. I went to a closet where I had options to choose from. Do you know there are people in other countries? Right now, as I'm talking to you, there are people in other countries, there are men that are wearing right now what they wore yesterday. They're wearing what they wore two days ago. You say, Brother, Brother Dave, what are you talking about? Do you know there are Christians suffering for their faith in other countries and they're in prison, incarcerated, and when they were brought into that prison, they were issued a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. The pair of shorts are literally too small so they will not fasten here. The t-shirt was given to them purposefully too short that it will not pull down over their abdomen. So they have to hold their shorts together here and they have to constantly pull on their t-shirt here. You know why they, those that are incarcerating them gave them those kind of clothing? To humiliate them. And do you know they wore that yesterday? And they wore it the day before that. And the day before that. And the week before that, and they don't get a chance to take it off and wash it. And here we have choices. And washing machines and dryers. You know what? We hardly ever stop to say thank you, do we? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. By the way, we had a wonderful breakfast up there a little bit ago, didn't we? How many times, because we're so accustomed to it, in this country and certainly in my country, we're so accustomed to having a lot to eat that we just take it for granted and we hardly ever say thank you to the people who prepared it, to the parents who bought it. If we eat out at a restaurant, which we do a lot of in our country, do we ever say thank you to the waiter or waitress that serves it to us? I try to do it all the time. Everything. We ought to have an, a grateful spirit for everything. We are blessed. Would you agree? 
By the way, I don't know if you've watched any of this. Brother Larry, I, I'm not recommending necessarily that people do this, but I, I'm on radio every day in our country. I do a daily radio program, and we deal with these kind of issues. We address things from an apologetic standpoint and a biblical worldview, and so I have to stay up with what's going on. How many of you know what ISIS is, this group that's been going through Iraq and Syria and murdering people mercilessly? I actually watched some of the beheadings. One guy took seven minutes to sever his head. The most horrific of all of them was that Jordanian pilot that they put in a cage about five feet by five feet. And then they doused him with some kind of accelerant, probably gasoline, and then brought a little trail of gas over here where one of those ISIS guys with his head covered, he's holding a torch, and he puts the torch down, and it follows that trail of gasoline right into the cage, and it sets the guy on fire. Brother Larry, I can't explain what it's like to listen to the screams and watch the guy jump up and down like this and put his hands over his face and then drop to his knees and in a matter of three minutes. Forgive me, guys, I'm not trying to be gross, but his skin is dropping in liquid off of his nose and he collapses backwards and he's burned to death. Do you know there are people, Christians, that die for their faith in that horrific way? These 21 that were let out, let out onto a beach and their heads cut off merely for being Egyptian Christians, they paid a price. We are blessed, aren't we? Do we stop long enough to say, oh God, thank you. Thank you that I can come to a conference like this and interact with other Christian young people. Thank you that I can enjoy awesome music like that. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done in my life and everything. Continually give thanks. There's one last thing the Bible says is God's will. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, and I'm not going to turn, I'm just going to quote it. It says this, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. The word slack means slow. The Lord's not slow concerning His promise, as some men count slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now watch. It's God's will we control our mind. It's God's will we consecrate our body. It's God's will we continually give thanks. It's God's will we come to salvation. God is not willing that anybody perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you, if you don't know the Lord, to come to Him and be saved. I was sharing very briefly with Brother Curtis before we got out of the van and came in here about three weeks ago. I was out on the coast of North Carolina in a little town called Newport, North Carolina. The Lord has got a great church out there called Community Baptist Church. It is as vibrant as any church I've ever been in. Phenomenal church. There's a 70-year-old lady in that church. I don't remember her name, but she came to me after the Sunday morning service. She said, Brother Kistler, I have invited tonight, because I know she said, you study a lot about this, and I have. You study the religion of Islam. You know what they believe, and you try to minister to folks that are Muslims, and I do. And we're going to be doing some of that here in just a minute, so that's part of why I'm telling you this. She said, uh, I've got a friend named Beth. She married a Syrian man. She has lived 16 years in Syria. She grew up in America. She married a Syrian man. She's lived now for 16 years in Syria. They've just come to the United States. And she said, I've told her about you and she wants to come. She wants to talk to you, which she ultimately did talk to me for about 40 minutes after service. 
But she said, I, I want you to pray that Beth will be saved. I said, I, I will. Well, sure enough, Sunday night, Beth was there. Uh, Monday night, she was back. Tuesday night, she was back again. Wednesday night, the last night of the meeting, she was back again. On Wednesday night, she had her two daughters with her. She has a 19-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old daughter. And I want you to think about this. Those two girls, 19 and 17, they spent 16 of their respective 19 and 17 years. 16 of those years they spent in Syria under a Muslim regime, an Islamic regime. Do you understand Islam, Allah, the God of Islam who is a false deity? Do you know He is not a God who loves Islam, the term Islam means submission. Muslim, Muslim, the term itself means submitter, submitter to Allah. It is a forced thing, a coerced thing. On Wednesday night, first time those two girls, 19 and 17, had ever been in a Christian church in a service like this, and both of them walked forward and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Could I hear an amen right there? It was awesome. The 19-year-old and the 17-year-old both came up to me after they trusted Christ and threw their arms around me and said, Mr. Kister, thank you. Thank you for telling us the truth. We have wanted out. We have wanted out. Not just of Syria. We have wanted out of that false religion. You understand Jesus loves everybody. We are so blessed, aren't we? To have what we have, enjoy what we enjoy, to live in the nation we live in, to have a church, churches, a conference like this to come to. We ought to have a spirit of thanksgiving for all of it. We are so blessed. Control our mind, that's the will of God. Consecrate our body, that's the will of God. Continually give thanks, that's the will of God. Come to salvation, that's the will of God. Now I want you to watch, this is my point and I'm done. These four things have nothing to do with who do I marry? Where do I live? What kind of job do I have? You say, what are you getting at? Brother Curtis, when I realized there is a revealed will of God, these four things, control your mind, consecrate your body, continually give thanks, come to salvation, that's the revealed will of God. He tells me that's His will. These other things, who do I marry, where do I live, what kind of job do I have, do I buy that car, do I not buy that car, do we buy that track of land, do we not buy that track of land, do we move to this house or do we move to that house, all of those things God has a will about, but you know what, we go after these things, the who do I marry, where do I live, what kind of job do I have, we go after that first and we don't care, take care of these things over here. We don't control our mind, consecrate our body, give thanks for everything. In other words, we're like my daughter Rachel. Daddy, I want to talk to you about Samantha. God, you've got to show me, do I marry this girl or do I not? You know what God does? I think He looks down at us lovingly like I did at my daughter. And I say, honey, let's, let's take first things first. Have you already done what I've told you to do? Would you clean your room? Would you close away? Well, no, Daddy, but I want to talk about Samantha. Let's talk about Samantha. But let's take care of first things first. I think when we come to the Lord, Lord, i got to know, i got to know, is this the person I'm going to marry? Is this the place I'm supposed to move? I think the Lord says, now, whoa, whoa, hang on just a minute. Are you controlling your mind? Have you consecrated your body? Do you thank me for everything? Continually give thanks? Well, no, Lord, but I want to know the, your will about this other. No, 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 let's take first things first. What I found is this. When I've got God's revealed will... When I'm obeying there, the other stuff over here comes pretty easy. Everybody with me? 
Guys, I want you to know God's will more than anything else. It's the blessed way to live. Look, my life has not been perfect, but it sure has been blessed. When I was your age, in fact, when I was 16, I was much younger than you guys, I felt God wanted me to be an attorney. And here's what I honestly thought. I thought, you know, if I'm an attorney, I can drive a nice car, I can wear nice clothes, I, I can make a lot of money, I can do etc., etc. All of these different things. And God told me at 16, I don't want you to be an attorney. I want you to preach the gospel. I am so glad I yielded to the will of God. I've had the opportunity to travel the world. I've been to this country, I think, 15, 16 times. Been to Africa, England, France, Belgium, Scotland, Wales, Canada, Mexico, West Indies, all of that, preaching the gospel. The Lord has given me an opportunity in our country to have a ministry on what we call Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., to our elected officials, our congressmen and senators. In fact, coming up, if the Lord works it out, on March the 2nd or 3rd, I was sharing with Brother Larry, please pray about this with me, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is the Prime Minister of Israel, is coming to our country to speak to a joint session of our Congress. If everything goes as it looks like it's going to go, and we've been praying it's going to go, and it looks like it's going to happen, I will have the opportunity to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. You know, I never dreamed the Lord would allow those kind of things. But he's put me in the center of his will. And it's the most awesome place in the world to be. Take care of the first things first, the revealed will of God. The other stuff comes pretty easy. And it's not a perfect life, but it's sure an awesome one. I wouldn't trade places with anybody serving the King of Kings and being in the center of his will. Father, I pray. I pray for these incredible young men and young ladies again, Lord, that you would help them to seek your will. And Lord, I'm talking about your revealed will. I pray, Lord, they would long to control their mind and consecrate their body. And thank you continually for everything. And Father, I pray they'd get in your will there, understanding that the other things, who do I marry, where do I live, do I take this job or that job, do I go to this college or that college, Lord, all of those things come relatively easy when we're in your revealed will. So Father, I pray that not one young man or young lady in this room would miss your will for their life, but Lord, may they discover it. Use this conference this week to point them in the direction that you have for their life. And may they follow it, Lord, all the days of their life. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do. Now, bless us, Brother Larry, closes this service. And Lord, as we go into the city center, go before us, O oh God, and empower us. Use us, I pray, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.